Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about primary sclerosing cholangitis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash primary sclerosing cholangitis or in the gastroenterology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Primary sclerosing cholangitis is a condition where the intrahepatic and extrahepatic bile ducts become inflamed and damaged, developing strictures that obstruct the flow of bile out of the liver and into the intestines. Sclerosis refers to stiffening and hardening of the bile ducts. Cholangitis is inflammation of the bile ducts. Chronic bile obstruction eventually leads to liver inflammation or hepatitis, fibrosis and liver cirrhosis. The cause of primary sclerosing cholangitis is unclear and it's thought to be a combination of genetic and environmental factors. There's a strong association with ulcerative colitis with about 70% of cases occurring alongside pre-existing ulcerative colitis. Less commonly, it can be associated with Crohn's disease. So importantly, it's often related to inflammatory bowel disease, specifically ulcerative colitis and less commonly Crohn's disease. The key risk factors for primary sclerosing cholangitis are being male, aged 30 to 40 years, having ulcerative colitis and having a family history of primary sclerosing cholangitis. Next let's talk about the presentation. Often patients are asymptomatic at diagnosis with the problem picked up on abnormal liver function tests done for some other reason. However, they may present with abdominal pain, specifically in the right upper quadrant where the liver is, pruritus or itching of the skin, fatigue, jaundice, hepatomegaly or an enlarged liver, and they may have splenomegaly or an enlarged spleen. Let's go through the investigations. Liver function tests show a raised alkaline phosphatase. And remember that alkaline phosphatase is the most notable liver enzyme that goes up with an obstructive pathology in the biliary system. Other liver enzymes and bilirubin are raised later in the disease. Autoantibodies are not helpful in diagnosis or assessment. No antibodies are particularly sensitive or specific to primary sclerosing cholangitis. The main autoantibodies that may be positive are perinuclear antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibody or P-anchor, antinuclear antibodies or ANA and anti-smooth muscle antibodies or anti-SMA. Magnetic resonance cholangiopancreatography or MRCP is the diagnostic imaging investigation. This involves an MRI scan that takes a detailed view of the bile ducts which shows bile duct strictures in primary sclerosing cholangitis. When someone's diagnosed with primary sclerosing cholangitis, a colonoscopy should be performed to assess for inflammatory bowel disease, 
specifically ulcerative colitis. A liver biopsy is not usually required, but it may be used where there's diagnostic uncertainty. Next, let's talk about management. There are no treatments that are proven to be effective for primary sclerosing cholangitis. Endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography, or an ERCP procedure, may be used to treat dominant strictures, meaning strictures that are particularly causing problems. This involves inserting an endoscope, or a camera, down the esophagus past the stomach to the duodenum and the opening of the common bile duct, which is the sphincter of Oddi. By going through the sphincter of Oddi into the common bile duct, the operator has access to the biliary system. Then they can dilate any strictures and insert stents to keep the ducts open. Antibiotics are given alongside ERCP procedures to reduce the risk of infection, specifically bacterial cholangitis. A liver transplant is used in advanced disease with around an 80% survival at 5 years post-transplantation. Other aspects to management include using cholesteramine for the symptoms of itching or pruritus, and cholesteramine is a bile acid sequestrant that reduces intestinal absorption of bile acids, so it helps reduce the amount of bile acids in the blood. Replacement of fat-soluble vitamins and monitoring for complications such as cholangiocarcinoma, cirrhosis and esophageal varices. So let's go through the complications. The complications and associations with primary sclerosing cholangitis include biliary strictures, acute bacterial cholangitis where there's infection in the bile ducts, cholangiocarcinoma or cancer of the bile ducts develops in about 10-20% to of cases of primary sclerosing cholangitis. Cirrhosis and the related complications, for example, portal hypertension and esophageal varices. Fat-soluble vitamin deficiency due to the absence of bile helping with digestion of fats. Osteoporosis and colorectal cancer in patients with ulcerative colitis. A tom tip for you, the association between ulcerative colitis, primary sclerosing cholangitis and cholangiocarcinoma is commonly tested in exams and is worth remembering. Finally, let's briefly talk about IgG4-related sclerosing cholangitis. IgG4-related sclerosing cholangitis presents similarly to primary sclerosing cholangitis. Elevated immunoglobulin G4 levels in the blood are the distinguishing feature. Unlike primary sclerosing cholangitis, IgG4-related sclerosing cholangitis responds well to treatment with steroids. Therefore, there is a treatment for IgG4-related sclerosing cholangitis, which is why it's important to differentiate. It's also associated with autoimmune pancreatitis. 
So thanks for listening to this episode on primary sclerosing cholangitis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about liver cancer.